Awake in the Dream Radio with Laura Eisenhower and Dr. Dream. Raising your frequency and expanding your consciousness one guest at a time. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Awaken the Dream Radio. This is Tuesday, March the 12th, 2013. I am your co-host, Dr. Dream, and my own personal dream, our other co-host, is... Laura Eisenhower. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show tonight. Hello, Laura. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Dr. Dream? I'm doing very well. I really am. I've had um I've had quite a nice day. I bet you have. You you're wafting some really, really nice smells lately. I I, I know you've been doing something. Can you tell us a little bit about it? <laughs> you know, the fact that when you saw me today I was walking two feet off the ground might have tipped you off a little bit that I've been um dipping into the oils. Um, yeah, just uh, working with some new products today and making, um, you know, today was um, pineal activator uh, inhalers, a mix of essential oils that have um, proven tremendous ability to oxygenate the pituitary and pineal glands. And so, um, yes, I'm, um, I'm still flying a little bit myself right now. Yeah, these oils are incredible. I can't believe how effective they are. I don't even want to go to bed without coating myself with them. I can't really get through a day unless I've, you know, completely just put it all over. You know, it's it's, it's just amazing because it goes right into the bloodstream. It raises frequency. It's pure. It's right from nature. It's true medicine. I love it. So, and, and you've got a lot of great information to share and, for so many different all- ailments. It's, and we all just feel so darn good when we use them, and it's just like, all right, this works. Let's um, let's let's keep doing this. So so tell me, Laura, how how has your day been, and and what what's happening in your world? Gosh, a good question. Um, having uh just a lot of uh, good experiences with clients. Um, you know, really just working on pulling my presentations together. Uh, getting, you know, loose ends taken care of in the, I guess you could call practical world, but I don't know what that word means anymore because this world is just so weird. It's just like this strange matrix that we're in. But I have to say that I feel like so proud of myself when I do simple things like mail letters. Like I have a harder time (laughs) doing the small details like mailing letters and taking care of just sort of the mundane tasks. But I'm all about diving into just like the big stuff and the stuff that, you know, a lot of people might just say that's a bit too much for me. So when I do those small things, even just, you know, maybe cutting my nails or just really just taking care of the little stuff, I, I, I feel so like, wow, you're, you're doing it. You're, you're functioning in a human body. Way to go. So I had one of those kind of days where I really feel like I've got this thing down and I'm getting stuff done. I'm more grounded than I've ever been. So that's kind of the day I'm having. Well, dandy. I'm loving it. <laughs> and it's been beautiful weather here, and it's just, um, it's nice. Spring is in the air. It definitely is. It's been a beautiful day. The energy feels pretty darn clear, which is great. 
I, I think a lot of us can feel sort of a heaviness in the air, and I feel so much of it is lifting. I know a lot of it has to do with just our own inner stuff. But, of course, I mean, how can we not feel the collective and just some of the things that uh, are being transmitted to us? But I just, I, I can just sense just such a high frequency that uh, we're all holding um, that has overtaken it, and I'm just really owning that. So. Yes. What about you? How was your day specifically? I know that you played with the oils. Any news for the from the week or anything else? I know Jake's better, which is yeah. I mean, huge. Jake's better. He's he, he's like back to normal. I mean, um, yeah. It's um, it's it's just it's just good stuff happening right now. And now you mentioned you know about our our inner stuff. So help me out here a little bit or help us all out here a little bit, what is going to be twisting, turning, tweaking, comforting, uncomforting our inner stuff this week? <laughs> well, the new moon energies are still alive because the new moon was only yesterday. So it's still really important to just ground our visions, our dreams, our goals, set our intentions, and really visualize it and own it like it's already there. Um, and then today we moved into uh, Mars, moved into Aries. And uh, Mars, obviously, is uh, the natural ruler of Aries, and uh, it's very dynamic, uh, very much the leader. Uh, it can be very impulsive and very erratic and very hasty, so it's important that everybody sort of takes a deep breath before they kind of launch into a reaction, uh, because aggression can take place, a lot of tension and just all that fiery stuff. So uh, there's a lot of grounding planets, so, you know, really utilize um, that space and time to you know, be sure that Mars is uh, being channeled into creating change for the better rather than conflict and uh, some of the old lower vibrations that Mars can hold. Um, and Mercury's moving out of retrograde on the 17th, so that'll be really nice. But between now and the 17th, um, with the communication challenges, it can exacerbate, you know, the Mars energy a little bit, but that should smooth out by the time uh, Mercury's back on track with uh, going direct. And, you know, it's kind of a mellow week. There's not really anything... Um, standing out too strongly. Um, but, uh, I like the know, sound of mellow week. I, I, you know, I don't hear those words from you very often, Laura. No, no. There's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Mars might make things unmellow, but as far as anything that's really tweaking Mars, uh, it would only really be just the way we relate to Mars personally rather than, you know, outer influences like the, the generational planets that, you know, can really just create huge global events um it seems pretty clear on that level um but i'll definitely post if uh you know something pops up but i think that's yeah, for the next uh the, the final weeks of march more than right now but uh yeah stuff stuff is coming but i think this week is really just a time to transition into a new mars energy and and still float in the pisces imagination and dreamy mystical realms and uh also the grounding of saturn and pluto influences allow our power to really get anchored so that we can manifest these dreams and I just have to say, we um, have such an incredible show tonight. Well, it's true. We have quite the exciting lineup this evening. Our guests are Kathy O'Brien and Mark Phillips. And I have to tell you that um, I have spent the better part of uh, the last week really diving into their information. I have in front of me right now two extensive bios, but to be quite honest with you, I want us to just dive right into this interview. Um, 
and uh, whatever information would come out in the bio, I'm sure, uh, will come out in the interview. So it's my honor and my distinct pleasure to introduce right now. We're going to start off with Mark, Mark Phillips. Are you here with us, Mark? I am glad to be here, yes. We are thrilled to have you on Awaken the Dream Radio. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. Yes, I want to thank you so much for joining us, too. We just honor your strength and courage so much and have explored uh, your material quite extensively. And this information is crucial to get out to humanity. And so we really just appreciate what you both are doing and what it has taken to get to where you are today. So my first question, Mark, is can you tell us what you were involved with before you and Kathy met and how it led to your mission to help Kathy recover from Project Monarch and then expose all these hidden agendas? uh, Yes, I can. Um, as a matter of fact, that's uh, somewhat outlined in our, our testimony that we provided uh, uh, Congress, both houses, uh, intelligent oversight committees. Um, I was uh, I was very fortunate in one regard uh, to have been accepted, uh, and, or I should say, recruited by the CIA at, at the time that I would have been drafted to go on to Vietnam. Uh, I uh, was in in university at the time and just simply did not want to go over there and get shot. Um, I saw some of my friends come back, and uh, some of them didn't even recognize me because of the horrible PTSD and and other uh, personality disorders that were developed as a result of uh, what they had been involved in and seen. So um, when I was offered the opportunity to serve my country, uh, in a much more uh, mundane fashion, I thought, uh, and it was. I was uh, I was delighted. So the recruiting aspect of it uh, actually started as it does with everybody now. Um, when a child enters uh, school, and even back in uh, as early as 1952, uh, grade school students were being tested. Um, not uh, for IQ so much as as how they think and um, how they uh, problem solve. And that was apparently what what triggered, because I remember seeing my records, and it went back to um, when I was in grade school. And uh, uh, this went on and on and on until finally I got recruited in 19, uh, let's see, 67 uh, actually, it was 66, but uh, 67, I believe, was the was the actual starting date. I had a lot of extensive training. Um, I was in the field of uh, medical uh, to to actually begin with, and I ended almost with that. But uh, within the medical field, I was working in places like uh, the CDC, the Communicable Disease Center in Atlanta, Emory University. Um, the your case primate centers both in Colorado and in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, those are just a, a, a scant few of the many places that I was uh, uh, working around. I was my only job was really to document who was there and also what was what was actually being done. And uh, I, I was actually my cover job was I was a, a southeastern. Uh, sales manager for the Ampex, A-M-P-E-X Corporation. They invented, um, uh, actually invented uh, uh, pre-recorded uh, video as well. I'm sorry, well, uh, not pre-recorded, 
when uh, instant replay. Sorry, the instant re- I couldn't even do the instant replay then. Um, <laughs> instant replay was invented by Ampex and Alexander M. Ponitsov is what Ampex stands for. He was uh, he was a courageous individual and a brilliant brilliant person. Um, of course, uh, this this use of of recording uh, video had had gone into many many areas and computerization was going on at the same time so there was a lot of progress being made uh, and working with primates and working with other highly intelligent animals like porpoise uh, uh, this sort of thing we we I, I honestly believed like the scientists that I was working elbow to elbow with and knew quite well many of them Nazi scientists that were brought over here on Project Paperclip um, these these people, uh, their only interest was to explore the mind and to take people who had um, uh, severe, I mean severe mental problems, not the ones that had brain damage from a, a birth or an accident or congenital uh, brain disease, but, but people who had personality problems um, as a result of trauma and, and other other things. Uh, that that actually boiled down to they they uh, the, the individual people really felt like it was trauma it was perceptual. I watched those kind of people uh, evolve the ones that were in prisons and mental institutions into very very uh, nice people who had a lot to contribute to society and this this uh, process that they were going through. Uh, many people would just quickly call it, label it mind control. It really wasn't. It was a behavioral modification program, and it was extraordinarily effective. Because um, uh, the, the nowadays they don't use it, of course. The the recidivism, uh, recidivism of uh, 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 people returning back to uh, prison is extremely high, and with uh, the, the programs that the CIA was working on. Um, uh, they, they, the, that just didn't happen that frequently. Matter of fact, I, I don't recall a single incident of of some uh, of uh, recidivism when when the person actually committed another crime to get back in prison. They they became um, what you and I would term as normal people, whatever normal mi- means. <laughs> um, uh, make a long long story short, um, I really felt like that I was on the cutting edge of some of the best. Information, uh, of course, it was all classified and top secret. Now, what I'm talking to you all about is declassified. Um, I watched the first ape communicate using American Sign Language. Um, and uh, actually, um, this particular ape was extraordinarily intelligent. This information came out just not too many years ago, uh, and this happened during the late 60s and early 70s. So it takes a long time for these things to be declassified. But uh, unfortunately, since uh, the uh, American Psychiatric Association was founded by a a former CIA officer, uh, Dr. Ewan Cameron, of course, that that was uh, his his tenure was was stopped uh, after it was discovered by in Canada when he was up there literally torturing people out of their minds, uh, using them as guinea pigs for uh, trauma-based mind control, chemical-based mind control, 
and uh, electroshock mind control uh, techniques, which did not work. Um, but nevertheless, he didn't seem to mind. Um, he was one of the most vile people that you can imagine. This guy founded the American Psychological Association. Of course, you know who pulled his strings, and, and all of this was discovered uh, before Congress in 1977 uh, by the Church Frank Church uh, uh, Committee to to uncover what the CIA had done. And it wouldn't have ever happened had not there been a mistake made by this Dr. Cameron in Canada. Um, he he uh, had abused the wife of a uh, of a PM up there, and uh, this this woman uh, and her husband went after the United States government with everything that they had, and they had a lot of connections. Well, it did uh, come out, but you know, uh, mind control. Um, they, they say, well, it's all the CIA. No, no, wait, wait, just a minute. It, mind control, in varying levels, runs entirely through society. It runs through the entertainment community, and of course, the type of mind control experimentation that was going on, uh, sponsored by the CIA, was um, uh, back in those days uh, when, after they got caught, it was a simple matter of moving everything and the people that were involved over into another area and relabeling it. Um, uh, MK Ultra was the name back then. That name has changed dozens, if not hundreds of times. <laughs> and, uh, of course, the, m the more they learned, um, uh, the easier it became for them to, uh, uh, to recruit and train, or I should say program, Individuals, they were working towards the same thing Hitler was. They were working towards producing the perfect spy, the perfect soldier, um, and uh, the, the, the perfect corporate-type individual. Everything uh, that you can imagine was being done to, to reach that goal. Uh, that was Hitler's goal, too. He said mind control was more important than developing the atomic bomb. And, and as you know, or probably know, the, the Germans were extremely close in uh, in having the first atomic weapon, uh, but they chose to put their resources uh, in towards uh, the mind mind control efforts. And uh, the United States, after the war, we said, "Uh oh, all these scientists, the Russians are going to get. And if we don't get them, the Russians will." So mm -hmm. uh, they they had a uh, in 1947 they formed the CIA. And they also uh, had a, a new act, uh, a congressional act, uh, come into play called the National Security Act in 1947. Um, this, uh, that key date I just gave you, 1947, is going to come up again in a few minutes. But the, it, it seemed uh, that everything that I was seeing, um, including in the prisons, was not anything that uh, I could see being uh, used. I mean, they, they, they weren't torturing the people that I saw by any stretch of the imagination. Um, uh, as a matter of fact, they were well taken care of. I, but, you know, for, every, for everything the CIA is doing, we'll say in the right hand, uh, the, the, the left hand is completely unaware of it. It's all com compartmentalized. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea that the horrific experiments were going on. 
Um, uh, I had a lot of uh, opportunities uh, presented to me where I had to go back and forth to uh, Montreal, which is where Dr. Cameron uh, was. Um, and I, I honestly did not see any of, of what was brought out in the, in the 1977 uh, congressional hearings. Um, needless to say, uh, the scientists that I worked with, most of them, I'm sure most all of them, have passed away by now, uh, if not all of them, uh, from old age, they believed, as I believed, that our, our prisons and our mental institutions would be um, virtually open. I mean, there wouldn't be anybody in there except the ones that were incorrigible and had brain damage. They just they were going to empty them all out. But when they privatized prisons, as well as mental institutions, uh, against uh, certainly against our Constitution, and many people uh, don't know that, but it is, in fact, unconstitutional uh, for, to have a private prison in the United States. It was also against the law for me to be working in the United States as a CIA uh, operative, what we'll say, um, because we were not supposed to work on uh, U.S. soil. But that, I mean, all of these rules were bent and broken uh, just because they wanted to develop what uh, uh, would be the necessary component for bringing in what Hitler, uh, George Bush Sr., George Bush Jr., um, Clinton, um, let's see, and uh, of course, uh, the person who originated it was Julius Caesar. And it was called the New World Order, and this New World Order was uh, uh, it would be a necessity to have somebody at, at or peoples at the top that could be controlled invisibly, and what better way to control them than through mind control? Um, it was uh, in uh, I was I was moved from Ampex um, over to the airlines. Um, I worked a short period of time for uh, Johnson & Johnson for the Charlie Division. Um, frankly, the, I was put in there because of, um, of some of the stuff that they were developing as far as implants go, which I, I will tell you this. Uh, the, the implants are not only not necessary, uh, the last ones that I knew of that, were, that could be removed were taken out in the late 80s. Um, you hear a lot of complaints that people have, you know, they've been chipped or they've been this or that. Um, yes, they may have been chipped, uh, and, and I'm sure that there's a lot of them, uh, voluntarily as well as involuntarily. But that's to track these people's movements. It's not to monitor their thoughts. Uh, now, Mark, uh -huh. let, let me ask a couple of questions just for a little bit of clarity. During this time, were you were literally on the payroll of the CIA or you were under the, the on the payroll of this company which was part of the CIA? What was the CIA well, connection? Ampex was a military industrial uh, uh, project supplier okay. as most uh, most big corporations are. And I worked with uh, as well, you know, like Honeywell for instance. Mm -hmm. um, everybody in there, everybody that's anybody globally knows anything about the intelligence community knows that Honeywell is at the top of the list. Um, my uh, 
uh, my relationship as far as being on the payrolls, yes, I was. And, yes, I was compensated. Yes, my expenses were all covered. matter of fact, I had an unlimited expense account, if you can imagine such a thing. I mean, talking about it within reason, of course. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I was serving two masters. And only my uh, one person in the uh, uh, corporate world that I worked in, only one person within that uh, particular company would know that I also worked for the CIA. I thought I was working for the Defense Intelligence Agency, the DIA, but I was uh, I was wrong. And if I told you when I found out through my own uh, record uh, uh, records that uh, were were dug up by a Washington uh, uh, news correspondent with with the Post, um, this this person wrote a book on Project Paperclip. And uh, uh, the first edition, the first edition run, uh, painted me uh, uh, as my job with Capital International Airways. You can see CIA there. Um, <clears throat> that <laughs> she painted me as a bad guy, and I contacted her. This was after Kathy. I got Kathy and her daughter out. I contacted her when I, I saw the book, and uh, I explained to her what my situation was and. And and uh, what I had done, and and what was she thinking about, and where did she get this information? Well, I met with her, and uh, also met a a psychiatrist, uh, a friend of hers, in Washington, and uh, I found a whole lot of stuff about myself, um, uh, and or I shouldn't say not about myself, but my 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 relationship with uh, within the intelligence community. I found out a whole lot about what the intent was. Because, as I told you before, you really don't know what is uh, what the end result uh, that they're seeking is. Uh, See, that's that's what I was wondering. Were you doing anything that you felt, you know, wasn't? I mean, something you could be proud of? Oh my goodness! Everything I did, I felt proud of. Right. I mean, so they they really the, compartmentalized how you were doing it. So you couldn't. Yeah, you, you had no idea of the big picture. Me. Right. Yeah, but Dr. Dream, these, I'm, I'm working with scientists that, you know, have, have spent more time in school than I was old at the time. Um, uh, these people were fooled just like me. Right. Um, so it, it, I didn't feel so insulted, uh, or my IQ <laughs> insulted when I found out that I really didn't know who I was working for and what the project specifically, um, some of them, not all of them, because they all haven't all been declassified. But many of them have, and uh, the knowledge that I gained from uh, watching and and also interviewing and filming, uh, well, videotaping um, uh, so these patients in in their recovery modes, um, and and the and the actual work that the the physicians that were working directly with these people, um, uh, what I was privy to was some of the most exciting stuff I'd ever seen. And so, I particularly liked it. It's in our book, but my mother and I were riding a horse when I was uh, about six years old, and she fainted and fell off, and the horse stepped into her brain. And uh, she was, uh, of course, um, some, she was emotionally disabled for the rest of her life. And I, I was the only uh, child that would 
just my, me and my sister, but I was the only one that had any compassion for her. And, and that's why I suppose I was so interested in the mind, uh, because I wanted to do something to help my mother recover. Oh. Which, of course, now I know it's not it's impossible. <laughs> right. But, so how did how did this all lead you to discovering Kathy, and how did you make the transition from where you were then to being able to sort of break away and assist her? Well, I, I broke away through a, a series of, of really natural events. Um, uh, I, I, I broke away. I had made a lot of money um, working. Uh, uh, I, I bought and sold small companies, everything from uh, companies that printed labels for records in Nashville. To uh, uh, there, there were a number of smaller companies that I would buy, was buying up and and investing in, and they did very very well, um, and I did too. Um, so when the mid '80s came along, uh, I. I uh, I, I, I just didn't have the interest any any longer in working in the corporate arena, and that would put me going full time uh, working for the intelligence community, which I did not want to do. And I had a, a former boss that he didn't uh, he didn't feel like that was the best thing for me to to do either. In retrospect, I know exactly why too, and he was right. So I, I kind of you know you, you really never get away from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you, but you do. Um, in other words, if you walk out that door, um, that doesn't mean that that you're you're uh, you're free of, of of your relationship with them. Um, all it, all it means is you're walking out that door, and they can call upon you at any time and ask you to do something. And in most instances, it's so easy. Um, uh, what they're asking me to do is like r- carry a red bag of information from a local member of Congress to Washington. Um, I mean, handcuffed to my wrist or put in a briefcase that's handcuffed to my wrist. Uh, these are things that that I did and got paid very well for them. I mean, there was I wasn't seeing anything anymore. Um, I, I wasn't involved in any any particular cases anymore. Uh, it wasn't like that. It changed. But and when it changed, um, because Nashville, Tennessee, was my home, and it was also the uh, well Smyrna, Tennessee, which is a suburb, um, it was the headquarters for Capital International Airways. Even though we based our aircraft out of JFK, uh, we we had jumbo jets, um, we had a fleet of those, and we were flying supplemental flights. But uh, nevertheless, I, I uh, my face was in the newspaper so many times that uh, for for um, you know greeting this uh, person or having dinner with that person or or closing um, uh, a deal with uh, air routes, um, it was a it was a most uh, it, well, it was a good job and I got paid well. Um, but the bottom line was. Uh, when when I when Capital was the company was broken up. Oh, and by the way, it was founded in 1947. Huh. Uh, how coincidental! <laughs> but nevertheless, uh, when they when the company was broken up and and uh, sold all the equipment and everything else, and it was sold by the way to the uh, Iranians. Um, uh, the company was and all the equipment. 
but uh, uh, I, 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 at that point in my life, I, I started buying and selling antiques because I, I've always had an interest in, in certain periods and, and certain types of antiques. I, you know, we're talking crystal and, and stuff like that because I, in order to do my job, there were a few times when I sat in on like a Christie sale. Uh, I don't know whether you're familiar with Christie's mm-hmm. uh, auctions, but uh, to, to be able to have a seat, uh, someone had to, you have to be sitting in for someone else. And I had already done that. Of course, I wasn't actually bidding. I was there taking pictures. But uh, but nevertheless, became acquainted with those people that I uh, would later on provide me an opportunity of a lifetime, and that would be to, to uh, locate, find, buy, and sell or resell and certain antiques. And uh, I, was, I was enjoying my life. And then I was contacted by an old childhood school friend, uh, a fellow by the name of Ray Myers, and I asked if I would meet a country music entertainment guy, and he asked me if I'd ever heard of him. I said, no, I don't like country music. <laughs> um, <laughs> I said, you know that. He said, well, he's, he's, not a, he's not a musician. He's an MC, and he's a ventriloquist, a hypnotist. I said, well, I can assure you I don't know him. Uh, he said, well, he, he would like to talk to you, and here's what he's got. And so I checked it out, and it, it was totally on the level. So I met with him, and uh, I liked what he had to say uh, with regards to the company. Hold on just one second. And um, he said, <clears throat> would, I be, would I be interested in uh, being the liaison between uh, his company and uh, uh, a... Uh, a joint venture company with the People's Republic of China, uh, making big old capacitors. Their mining industry was just uh, exploding, and they did not have the the electrical energy to to actually keep it running. And mines are kind of like glass plants and steel plants. When you shut them down, it it takes ten times more uh, energy to crank them back up. So they had to come up with some solutions, and those capacitor banks were definitely uh, part of the solution. Well, um, it was the uh, uh, when I when when I went over there and met with Chinese because it was mining and metal. The military ran it. Uh, the Chinese military was over it. So I met with the Chinese military officials. No problems whatsoever. Um, we worked together and. and and produced a, a document that was uh, uh, advantageous to to the company that, uh, that Alex Houston had, and of course their their company. Uh, it was a joint venture, but I, I made a demand upon Alex Houston, which uh, I told him I said, "Look, I will do this for you, um, uh, but I, I'm going to be the president of the company." I said, and you can be anything you want to be, but you, you're not. You're not going to have the. This is going to be a fifty-one forty-nine type relationship. Well, he said no at first, and then he he finally agreed. He wasn't going to get anywhere without me. So uh, he had tried to behind my back, but it failed miserably. So he agreed to it, and um, when I went to China to sign all the paperwork. 
and do the ribbon cutting on our new factory over there. Uh, I was approached by a Chinese intelligence officer, and uh, I mean, this was a huge, huge, huge gala party that must have cost tens of thousands of dollars to put together. And it, it was all the notoriety, uh, all the people in the Shenzhen province that were the movers and the shakers. Um, that Shenzhen province, by the way, is key to uh, most of Chinese um, uh, high-tech stuff that they're, they're making to this very day. But uh, uh, I, I met with this guy, and he introduced himself, um, spoke perfect English, and uh, he opened up a, a briefcase and then took out a file and opened it up. And the first thing I saw was, remember when I told you about the my uh, records from 1952, 54? Mm-hmm. And, well, I didn't tell you about the, all the dates, but 52 was the one, first one. Remember me telling you about that? I saw those records. And it looked like originals. I mean, it was aged paper. Uh, and I thought, this can't be. Uh, you know, I'm sitting in uh, Beijing uh, in a um, in an enormous hotel ballroom, and uh, and this guy is showing me my personal background stuff. He said, uh, in essence, he said, we know everything about you, and he said we don't have a problem. In essence, that's not exactly what he said, but we we don't have a problem with you. What we have a problem with is your partner in Tennessee, uh, in the U.S. I said, uh, why? What's he done? And uh, they proceeded to tell me that um, he was uh, a CIA covert officer. Um, and I, I said, wait a minute. Hold on. He can't possibly be a covert officer. And the guy said, well, what's the difference between a, an officer and an operative? I said, the difference between being a janitor and the president of the company. I said, no. Uh, I said, he was, a, he, he maybe he's an operative, but what has he done? And so then he proceeded to show me photographs, uh, one in particular of Alex Houston having sex with a, a, um, a young Haitian boy. And, and I thought, my God. And I said, well, aside from this, he said, well, aside from that, he said, by the way, he said, uh, uh, in China, the, the penalty for, child uh, uh, pornography or, or, or pictures of any child in a, in a sexual uh, scene is death. I said, well, uh, okay, uh, what else has he done? He said, well, he, 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 um, he's a money laundry, and um, he handles a great deal of cocaine. Um, I said, what does he do with it? Now he said, he sells it. He picks it up, and he and this woman that he has control of, um, he uses as a cover. Uh, in essence, they uh, they travel the co- the country music industry, and of course the CIA was just milking these uh, what they call cash cows for everything they had by getting them addicted to cocaine. And uh, so that was that was his. Uh, his stuff. I said, what do you want me to do? They said, get rid of him. I said, I don't do that stuff. I thought they meant kill him. And right. I said, no. I said, I've never had to do that, and I'm starting with him, regardless of how bad he is. They said, well, we didn't mean for you. You misunderstand. We want you to buy him out. I said, okay, who's going to put up the money? They said, we will. 
I said, is that going to change our percentages? Do I have to pay it back? They said, yes, you have to pay it back, but uh, you don't have to pay it back until after the company's a booming success. In the meantime, uh, uh, we'll cover it, and uh, you just buy him out. So I did. And But I, it, it uh, the discussion was very brief but very concise about the fact that he said that this Alex Houston had a young woman and a, and a small child in his charge. I said, well, exactly what does that mean? And they said, he controls their minds. Um, and I thought, oh, man, all these years I, I worked around this stuff. Why didn't Alex Houston have a clue who I was, number one? And number two, um, uh, why would he... Why, why, how could anybody, at, uh, you know, I'm not trying to be naive, but how can anybody want to control someone else's mind uh, for the purpose of prostituting uh, them out, or using them in pornography, or using them as a drug mule? Um, you know, he, uh, Alex Houston, he was smarter than that. Um, he was no Einstein, but he was smart enough to where he could have made a living honestly instead of doing uh, that sort of thing, which is despicable. Uh, putting it mildly, but uh, then I found out that he was using trauma-based mind control. I found that out when I got back and I reconnected with some people that I had worked with that I could trust, and they told me. They checked him out and told me all about him. Well, uh, the rest is history, and all of this is in our book, uh, Transformation of America. Uh, that book was actually written... Uh, from, from, or I should say, lifted from, the, the, I don't know, tens or thousands of pages, or twenty-one thousand pages, or something like that, of, of documentation that we'd gotten out of U.S. Customs and and other federal law enforcement agencies that were very cooperative with us. As a matter of fact, the head of U.S. Customs at that time, William Von Robb, um, went public and said that uh, he was resigning because. He had just learned that uh, he was um, putting his good people in harm's way, fighting a, a war on drugs that the, that our government was in fact creating. Hmm. So, <laughs> you know, when somebody says something like that, most people's ears would prick up, and of course they did. And the, and the CIA was uh, told that they were going to be investigated. Well, they said, okay, we'll investigate ourselves and see if any of this is going on. Well, they did, and three years later, and I forget how many millions of dollars that the government spent, they came back and said, we can't find any wrongdoing, there's nothing to any of this stuff. Uh, of course, you know, when, when you ask a criminal to investigate himself, what do you expect? <laughs> So, Mark, I've got, a, I've got a question with all this. How dicey did it get for you once you started understanding the big picture of what you were being used for? I mean, was I, I saw a video of you. Um, uh, I, I don't know when it was shot, but um, uh, I got to see that, um, that, that shotgun you keep by your bed. So I'm figuring that there were some some pretty dicey, some kind of, um, you know, nerve-wracking or possibly just downright scary moments for you? Well, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I've been armed since I was 20 years old. 
Um, and I, I'm always armed, or I will have somebody where, when I'm speaking out of the country, or if I'm speaking uh, in the country. Um, uh, I used to where I used to carry my own weapon because I'm permit. I got to have permits. I have them, but nevertheless, now I don't even bother to do that. I just have I, I notify somebody that I know in a particular place, and they come there, and they're more or less a bodyguard that nobody sees. But uh, um, the harassment that we got. Um, was right by the book, and you, you must understand uh, the worst, meanest, most horrible things I ever did was um, uh, follow through on on psychological warfare harassments on individuals. Uh, most of these individuals were very, very, very bad people, and uh, or and or heads of state. So um, I knew exactly what what the CIA was doing. And I knew exactly how to cor- uh, to, to to counter it. So um, uh, everything was anticipated, and finally, you know, after trying to put me away for the rest of my natural life and, and um, charge me falsely, um, and, and of course I had proof that <laughs> they were they were uh, in 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 fact trying to uh, lock me up for something I didn't do or even know anything about. Um, when that went away. And uh, the uh, uh, the court, um, when the when we did spend, I think it was, I can be wrong on this. We, it was more than two years. I think it was two and a half years, or close to three years. We spent going to court every single solitary week, uh, state court, and uh, and of course the federal too. But the federal didn't stick long enough because um, I refused to answer any questions. To the, before the grand jury, and uh, and I told Kathy, I said, the only way they can do anything is to incriminate you, to incriminate yourself. Do not open your mouth. And I tell everybody that, don't use uh, 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 the uh, um, a courtroom as a place uh, to, to vent uh, anything. Um, matter of fact, you're, you're better off if you're in a situation like Kathy and I were in, just to plead the fifth, and of course sure. they told they told her that I was going to be locked up forever for pleading the fifth. That's just an automatic guilt. I to, I, and of course that's not true, because mm-hmm. um, they didn't have anything, and I knew they didn't have anything, and that's where I had an edge, Doctor Dream. That's where I had an edge, Laura. They, I knew they didn't have anything because I had people on the inside telling me what they did have, and what their game plan was. So we were just heading it off at every turn. So, uh, how- so it, it, I mean, they failed horribly. And then when we went through the state courts, um, they they failed once again because we had an honest judge who did something you're not supposed to do, um, and it's a matter of record. He imposed the 1947 National Security Act on our case in open court. Wow. You do that in chambers. Uh, you never, ever expose that. But he did it, and and I told Kathy started crying. I told her, I said, that guy just saved our lives. Mm. I said I'd go up there and hug him if I wouldn't get shot. Right. So can you tell us a little bit about what it was like to pull Kathy away from, I guess you would say her handler, right? And and how that process began with her and and. Uh. That's, I'm going to get you to get, get uh, Kathy to answer because the, the the healing method or recovery method that I used with her 
was the same one that the CIA had developed uh, many, 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 many years ago um, for for uh, deprogramming and reprogramming spies. We're, we're talking about spies that are coming into this country or going into other countries that we captured. We would we would give them a, a pro, re, we would get them, reprogram them, uh, and and send them back, and they would go back with good information and of course this little bit of bad information. You know that you know that formula for rat poison. It's uh, 99.5% healthy for the rat. It's that other half of 1% that kills him. <laughs> what was we, the always, we always put that in there, and, of course, they went back, uh, the spies did, and they kept coming back with more. <laughs> right. So that was a very uh, it was a very good thing, and, and uh, that was the only thing that I saw where mind control was used uh, on a covert uh, basis. And... Um, the the bottom line was I wasn't seeing anybody tortured or hurt, and then when uh, all these years, many many years later, we're hearing about Guantanamo and we're hearing about Gitmo and and, and uh, uh, our uh, past vice president, um, who really should be tried before the the people for uh, crimes against humanity. Uh, aside from all the other stuff he did, but you you can't torture somebody and get valid information out of them. That was the whole purpose of MKUltra, because torture doesn't get you anywhere. When you torture somebody, they dissociate, and they don't even remember what they told you, but whatever it was was whatever they thought you wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. So, so what, um, what, huh? what state was she in when you found her, and how... Were you able to pull her away since she was being Easy. used? Easy. She uh-huh. did not even know her own name and how old she was most of the time. Um, and I was able to get her away because her owner, um, former uh, senator from uh, uh, West Virginia, Robert C. Byrd, um, he had. I, I knew what his what his trigger was to to get her to 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 go someplace and. Um, uh, it was just a matter of triggering her uh, by the tele by phone, uh, and of course I had to know where Alex Houston was at all times. He had, had gone to his annual uh, Boys Town vacation. If you can imagine him going to, I mean, this guy was going to Boys Town, and everybody knows the abuses there are so horrific, it's unbelievable. It used to be anyway, probably still is, but nevertheless. Uh, uh, he he was in Boys Town in, in uh, Nebraska when uh, when I uh, made that phone call, had her meet me, and uh, from that point on, um, she, we I just took it step by step. Um, uh, and once once she had a recognition of who she was, um, then they you don't deprogram anybody really unless you're using torture on them or, or some sort of uh, drug or, or mild electroshock or something, you, you don't really deprogram it. People deprogram themselves. Uh, they simply have to have the formula with which to do it. And that was the whole purpose of writing our second book and our last book, Access Denied for Reasons of National Security, because it takes the person through the steps, I mean every single one, that, that I used to to re- recover Kathy's mind and uh, uh, and her memories. 
which we were able, fortunately, because of some connections I had, to get them validated. Um, of course, once we had it validated and then we started showing up for that stuff in court, uh, that's when they slapped the National Security Act on us. Um, so that ended all of the courtroom dramas day in and day out. So, Mark, let me ask you, uh-huh. all all this stuff that came out in court um, and everything, I just want to ask you this before we get Kathy on. What, uh-huh. I mean, it just seems to me like they have killed people who have done less and, and been against the system less than you guys have. T- tell me, why are you guys still alive today? Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> the best answer to that is there is a formula by which not only do they kill you, uh, that they follow uh, very rigorously, there is also a formula of why they should not touch you. All they have to do is deny everything, put the national, apply the National Security uh, Act on our case, and we are effectively stopped. They took uh, $2.2 million that I had in the bank that I had paid taxes on and earned legitimately um, <laughs> through previous business, small businesses, buying and selling. And uh, what what happened then was um, uh, they, I was I was more valuable to them alive than dead because I still had a lot of friends at extremely high levels in the, in the Senate as well as in the within the intelligence community, not only in the U.S. I'm not going to go into that other part, but uh, I did receive a. Uh, a watch and a plaque and and uh, a letter from uh, a uh, Russian general that that I had worked with at one point, and uh, he 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 was uh, congratulating me for exposing this stuff on Kathy. But uh, uh, we we just simply were worth way more to them alive than dead. Because now a book is in uh, Transformation of America is in 12 languages. It's in uh, oh, about 55 different countries around the world or more. And Access Denied is, is quickly following suit. Because it, within the pages of Access Denied, we were the first ones, in essence, to ever reveal the, the formula by which you can help somebody through PTS, uh, get through PTSD. Um, I mean, uh, when 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 people read that book, uh, particularly survivors of horrible abuse or or military or whatever their cause is, um, and they 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 are willing to grasp the the facts that are there and apply apply them, all of a sudden they're doing fine. It's not going to be drawn out for the rest of their lives, and they're not going to become chronic uh, uh, PTSD. But uh, um, if if something were to have happened to us, it it would have blown the lid off of many many things. Now those things it's so old that most of the perpetrators have died, and um, and some of the the projects. Um, well, let, let me give you an example. I, I'd have to go look it up, but I, uh, there was a, a gentleman, a researcher at at a very famous Ivy League University, I'm not going to name the guy, who went through our book and went through each thing that we talked about, Kathy, or Kathy talked about, 
that was supposed to happen uh, in the future and um, things that had happened to her at that time that were not uh, public knowledge. Well, guess what? Every one of those things now, uh, as of, let's see, that would have been in 2007, I believe. It's, it's been it's been about five or six years ago. Every single solitary uh, major point in in our book at that time uh, had all come to light. It had been either declassified or somebody got the information out there or somebody gave a death, deathbed confession and it got to the newspapers and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, but nevertheless, we were uh, de-vilified once all this information came out. And, and people ask me all the time, they said, well, you, you could have known all this stuff. I said, no, how, how could I have known what Kathy was experiencing um, when I didn't even know she existed? <laughs> right. Now, Mark, let me ask. I mean, I, Kathy has uh, – I mean, you guys have put names out there, big, big names. I mean, we just talked about um, uh, Bird, and, 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 and there's all sorts of other people. I mean, isn't yeah. that um, isn't that a, a threat? I mean, isn't that – I get that – it, it just seems to me like nobody would want that information – those people – you know, uh, would not want that that information out there. Ford, Clinton, well, I wouldn't want Bush. to be. I wouldn't have wanted to been Bird and have my anatomical details discussed, <laughs> um, particularly if uh, if if I was malformed in a, uh, in that regard. But uh, all that stuff uh, what you, that what we put out there was factual, and um, even down to Cheney's. Uh, um, incredibly uh, oversized manhood. Uh, even that has uh, an AP uh, photographer took care of that, and then when he looked into it, he found where uh, Cheney had been a male model in college or university, and they had pictures of him. An enormous um, uh, manhood. Um, but nevertheless, and that matched up with what Kathy put in the testimony before Congress. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't have any way of verifying that at the time, except through people who knew him, and, and they called him Big Dick Cheney. But um, these people were still in power when yeah. when Kathy was doing this. I mean, Some haven't these are. people killed people for less than that? I mean, seriously. If, oh yeah, they, they I mean, this is. Do. I mean, would would Cheney and Byrd and 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 Bush and Clinton? They, they, nobody would want this information out there. It's just astounding to me that you guys are still here. Well, um, I, I, I do my best to explain in in the book in Access Denied exactly how we managed to do it. However, please bear in mind that I came from that uh, that community, and, right. and please bear in mind that I do know that they don't change anything that if something works they don't change it and they had never had anybody like me pop pop up apparently now i know a lot of people who were uh hurt and injured and and had they had head head uh, traumas and that sort of thing or were caught and tortured and they let a lot of information out and you know they they just uh uh those people now were were expendable but, right and they got rid of them Right, but and Kathy, uh, you know, she, for I, I told her, she, she I said, well, I asked her. This is when we were in Alaska. I took her up there, um, 
and when I got her up there, um, she asked me. She said, uh, "Why that that uh, that officer that that federal officer that was just here um, told you that he wished you luck and." He knew you were. This would be the last time he got to see you. And I said, "Well, uh, I asked him if he had, you know, t- a terminal disease or something." And he said, "That's yeah. funny." I said, "Well, <laughs> maybe you don't like me then. I don't care." But um, the bottom line was, I said, "No, no, you, you don't. You work in the intelligence community part of U.S. Customs." And I said, "Trust me." <laughs> and I hate to use that word because it denotes a lie. But in this case, it denoted the truth. I said, trust me, man. I said, you're, you're, you're really, um, you're buying into their rhetoric. This is not going to happen. It, it just doesn't work that way. Um, we're, uh, we're probably sitting in a whole lot better position and place than you are. He said, well, I'm terrified. I said, well, the only thing you need to worry about is being relocated. I said, um, but what you don't know is I know your boss. And all I have to do is tell him about this conversation, and uh, it's you're not going to have any more problems. Well, I did, and and William Von Rob, after he got back uh, more and more and more validations on everything, including digging up a heroin uh, route uh, out of New York, uh, which all that's covered in the book, Transformation of America, as it was in our testimony, but uh, the. The bottom line to all that was, I said, you know, we're we're perfectly safe. I said, I don't expect anything other than psychological harassments. I, I don't expect it at all. Uh, now there could be um, a time when uh, something is is uh, we're we're exposed to some kind of you know like irradiation or right. or exposed to some technology that would make us appear absolutely nuttier than a fruitcake. I said, that could happen. That's the worst-case scenario. Right. I said, I do have a backup for that. I said, I've got the top three psychiatrists in the world on my side. And I said, and they're going to start writing books, and one of them did, Dr. Colin Ross. Um, uh, I don't know whether you know who he is or not. He's, he's uh, recognized as the number one physician for the stars uh, in Hollywood and elsewhere for treating them for uh, 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 for, for for everything from PTSD to to uh, a a serious dissociative uh, dis- disorder. Um, they used to call it multiple personality disorder, but nobody has multiple personality. You just got one, and you've got all these splits and fragments that are created to deal with a given situation. Uh, but so so Mark yes. here, I I'm just this is. All so much, and I love it, and it's it's incredibly fascinating. Let's take this opportunity um, to pull any other pieces you need to pull together, and then I want you to kind of set up the introduction um, of Kathy. How's that? All right. Um, I'm gonna, I just sent uh, my, my the girl that works for us upstairs to get Kathy. Uh, I rescued Kathy in 1988. And that was as a result of what I learned from the Chinese. I took her to Alaska. Uh, I set her on the road to deprogramming herself. She did. 
and uh, uh, then I took that information and provided it to the feds, uh, not the ones who were after me. Uh, the point is, Kathy uh, made a remarkable recovery. Um, she would not have recovered, uh, I don't think, had she been used uh, or, or programmed using uh, technologies that I know about that exist today and existed then, uh, because that does brain damage. Now, uh, of course, trauma does brain damage, too. But uh, not not in her case to the degree where you or anybody else would notice it. Um, she, uh, Kathy's one of the kindest and most soulful people I have ever known in my life. And uh, of course, when I rescued her, I didn't like her, <laughs> and I, I was. I, I guess the main reason I rescued her is because I felt duped to find out that what I had worked on and worked in for decades uh, and better had, had been used f- for the most horrific um, abuse or abuses on earth of, of women and children. Um, and I thought, my God, this doesn't stop anywhere. They, these, these people are worse than horrible. And sure enough, uh, they say every, every voter loves a... a a psychopath because they put him in office. <laughs> but uh, Kathy's going back. She's going to be on her phone in one minute. And uh, I want you to ask her all these questions regarding how she recovered. Uh, uh, what I love in, a pretty in, good picture for you. In, in, in the discussions that I've had with you, what I love is that, um, you know, this all leads to you two being very solution-based. Oh, absolutely. We would not. I told Kathy, I said, you know, I told you in the very beginning, uh, I may have no put it on the refrigerator, voice no negatives without a solution. I said, now, we've just put out the worst negative on earth. I said, I've had people come up to me, and doctors included, and tell me what a rascal I was, and I'm using that mildly, because all I'm doing is Kathy and I are out there traumatizing the hell out of people. Well, that's not necessarily true. Uh, we were just telling them the truth, but we did not give them a solution. Um, <laughs> we we couldn't just offer the solution at the same time that we were we were putting that other stuff out because the solution was yet to be made mm-hmm. and yet to be completed. Uh, I should say when in 1995 when we published that book, um, uh, Transformation of America. It was not until a few years later when. Uh, I would say, I told Kathy, uh, I said, you know, I believe we've reached a point now to where we can tell people, and I made sure that we we weren't going to get, I wasn't going to get crossways with the government uh, talking about classified stuff. Uh, So I I said, look, um, I think we've reached a point now to where we can tell everybody the absolute facts on how uh, you came back together, and how so many others who have followed your lead uh, through their physicians um, uh, have recovered. So I, I said, we owe this to society, and that's exactly why we wrote the book. Well, wow. I shouldn't say we. I really didn't write that book. Kathy did. Well, um, we both did. Hi, <laughs> uh, Kathy. Kathy, uh, I have on the line Dr. Dream and, and Laura Eisenhower, and uh hoping uh, you're going to pick up from here, and I'm going to 
take this phone and hang it up a second. Thank you so much, Mark. <laughs> Thank you, really Mark. Appreciate Very much. It. Thank you. Welcome, Kathy. So wonderful to have you on the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. It is it is really an honor to to have you, Kathy. I, I was saying to Mark that um, I I've been researching um, for the better part of the last week on the two of you, and it it has been one of the most difficult things for me to do um, to seriously to force myself to listen to your story, and um, I just uh, I. I I can't even imagine. And and so, you know, I've got questions swirling around my mind and everything else, but I just want you to kind of open up and, and and just sort of say a few words to us and kind of get things going. I, I, don't, I don't really want to ask a question right now. I'm just so um, – I want to see organically where, you know, how we're going to uh, move through all of this information at the highest level there. Oh, when Mark and I first started speaking out, uh, people didn't have a point of reference for the information. They didn't have a point of reference for mind control. And the public was not aware of what it even was. So um, the reason they weren't aware is because it was maintained in total secrecy. It was part of um, top-secret government operations. It was being used in the military on the highest of levels. It was being used at espionage. And it was being used on uh, people like me who were carrying out uh, government duties and orders and, and maintaining their secrets. And now people do have a point of reference for the information because this is 20 years later now and people are seeing what we came out talking about to begin with it's all come to light and even though it seems horrific to people to see this what's going on in the world today the fact is it was going on 20 years ago as well only no one was seeing it and that's where the power was that's where the control came in that's where humanity was being manipulated and now, with the um, awareness rising and truth comes to light, that is the first step towards positive change. And change is happening in a positive way at a very rapid level uh, right now that people are aware. So um, as horrific as the information is, I'm, I'm thrilled that it's finally come to light, that people are finally embracing it and um, making a positive difference with what they know. Truth frees us from fear and empowers us to make a difference. Oh, Absolutely. Right. So can you walk us through a little bit what it was like before Mark came into your life and then how things began to improve, you know, once he was able to, you know, take you away from where you were at and just what that process was like in the beginning and, um, you know, just some of the things that just helped you to get back in, in, in your frame of reference to, to, to yourself. Well, mind control is a sliding scale. It's the, the kind I experienced was absolute total robotic mind control. That was using the government's um, highest levels of knowledge on how to control a mind. And that was gleaned from the Hitler-Himmler research and Nazi mind control that had um, been brought over with Project Paperclip into the United States. And um, it was being combined with what the Catholics had long since learned about mind control back with the Spanish Inquisition and way back in those years where um, 
they they were finding out the effects of torture on the human mind and how it rendered people easily controlled. They started combining that knowledge. And then as technology was coming in, technology was also adding to uh, mind control. So the mind control I experienced during the Reagan-Bush administration was absolute, totally robotic. I didn't know um, how old I was. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what had happened to me. I was totally 100% amnesic. I had no ability to question. I had no ability to reason or think things out or to consciously comprehend what was happening to me at all. I had no conscious thought. I was only operating on a subconscious level. The subconscious level is easy, easily manipulated, especially when trauma occurs. So when trauma occurs in our society, we need to be aware of the fact that the government, those in control of our government, know the effects of trauma on the human mind. And it will be at times of trauma to our nation that they will further their own political agendas and we will see more and more um, of our freedoms erode in times like those. So we need to be aware of that process. The way the brain reacts to trauma um, has been suppressed, even from the mental health community, because um, since it was already being used in um, the military and as a top-secret weapon system, the um, American Psychiatric Association, the APAs, were founded by a Dr. Ewan Cameron, who was uh, an original MKUltra doctor, uh, MKUltra uh, mind control doctor, and um, he suppressed that information from mental health right from the get-go. So it's no wonder that people were naive as to our brain's reaction to um, a traumatic situation. My experience certainly gave me a lot of insight into how exactly um, that aspect worked and how it rendered me totally robotic to work on a White House Pentagon level. Um, and yet that same method of control is used to uh, manipulate the population. Um, information control is a form of, um, of a mind control in itself. So the, what I experienced and what I learned um, from the inside from that experience is something that people all over the world can use to and apply to themselves to heal from varying levels of mind control, whether it's um, expanding their thinking beyond what we're told by the controlled medias, or um, if it's uh, childhood abuse, a trauma that they're needing to heal from, or whether it's uh, absolute robotic mind control that so much of our military is coming home with right now and the kind of PTSD um, that, that they've experienced. The inability to consciously think is um, eroding the very fabric of our society. And without free thought, without that conscious thought, without free thought, there's no free will. Without free will, there isn't soul expression. And without that soul expression, people are losing the um, that strength of spirit, that ability to stand up for what they b believe in and for what they know is morally right, to be able to stand up for the freedoms and rights mm. that um, this country was founded on and that humanity innately is inside. Well, with truth coming out more and more, this kind 
of um, strength of spirit is coming back into our society, and we're seeing more and more people embrace it, and we're seeing soul come back in mm-hmm. into society. And as it does, um, it's making a positive change, and yes. we're starting to take back some of those um, freedoms that were being eroded. We're we're taking back our ability to have a peaceful society without the violence that we're having shoved down our throats from the the media and everything else in order to um, further the gun control laws that are trying to be put into place right now. Um, But we're seeing some radical differences, and it's even going into our school systems now where they're having to learn to think further again, to be creative, and to be kind. Yeah. Now, So beautifully put. Kathy, give us... um, Help our listeners understand the depth of what you went through. I had lost all hope, and I lost all um, ability to even think that there were good people in this world. I didn't know there was a place where um, sexual abuse and, and occult trauma didn't exist. I thought that the whole world was um, saturated with it because my whole world was. It's all I knew growing up, growing up from the sexual abuse I experienced from um, the earliest childhood right on to the occult traumas that I was experiencing in our, our local Catholic church. And right on through, my my grandfather had a Blue Masonic Lodge. And within that Blue Masonic Lodge, there's um, the so-called pillars of society, the law enforcement, the politicians, and um, people who are the movers and shakers or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I was being passed around among them as some kind of a little treat, um, uh, being sexually abused on that level. So... There was abuse all around me. I was seeing it in um, not only my own home and around my neighborhood, in my church, and in um, law enforcement, and in politics. So why in the world would I believe in any way or have any hope anymore that there was some place where um, where abuse didn't prevail? And it wasn't until Mark rescued my daughter and I in 1988 that I finally had my first glimpse of um, that, yeah, there's goodness in this world, and as a matter of fact, there, there's way more good than, mm. than there is bad. So it was a, a radical change for me, and at first, because I couldn't think to reason and I couldn't even think to trust, um, I could only sense, you know, much like an animal. Mark had a lot of animals, and he had um, raccoons and fox, dogs. He had animals all around him, and they all loved him. And he'd wa- he always had an animal in his arms, and they were real affectionate with him and real sweet and trusting. And even though I couldn't think to trust Mark, I could sense to because I saw the animals trusting him. Mm. The, the people that I knew... Um, abused animals, because people who abuse children abuse animals. It's a uh, total disregard for life, and the two um, the two go hand in hand uh, to such a degree that um, 
after Mark and I began speaking out and bringing um, that reality to light, the um, the Humane Society and Human Services combined their efforts and they put a thing in place where if a child was being abused, then um, the Humane Society would investigate the animals, and if the animals were being abused, then Human Services would investigate the children. So it turned out to be, it shows how that one little piece of truth getting out there started making mm-hmm. um, a positive difference. For me, it made all the difference in the world because once I could see that trust, that ability to open up, then I could sense love in 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 my life. I knew that I was safe. Um, I felt love. I felt um, secure, and that allowed for what had traumatically happened to my brain to take um, like a to feel peace and a peace inside where um, I could start to heal. That was oh. the very first breakthrough in, mm. um, in healing was um, love and, um, and the ability to trust and to have hope. Mm. People need hope. They need hope in society today. And, uh, I mean, everybody needs hope. It's a yeah. basic human need. Yeah, absolutely. So can you help us sort of understand this on a larger picture level, like what ET presence might be a part of this or off-planet influences? Um, or is this Luciferian? I mean, what what would you say the origins of these sort of agendas and these sort of projects are, um, like on, on a root level, as far as you understand? Well, um, I think that, it's it's easy to look at this as something um, demonic or alien because it's so adverse to the way that we think. Um, we don't think like they do, and they don't think like we do because they don't think uh, in terms of that strength of the human spirit or the power of love. So um, that's where we win. I mean, ultimately, that's 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 it. But as far as you know being able to discern or define um, that difference in any exact terms, I really can't. There are those who want to say that, oh, those are lizards, you know, or whatever. It's not that simple. It doesn't work that way. They can create an illusion of that, which um, is detailed in uh, Transformation of America, where George Bush Sr. had created that illusion um, very deliberately. But, in fact, I think there's something that's... um, that's so much more vast than that. And if we limit our thinking to that, I think we're going to miss the the point. Mm-hmm. It was my experience that, like at Bohemian Grove, when um, these government leaders or these people who are actually, you know, took over our government, um, would sit around and and discuss um, things like population control and. Um, and genetic engineering, social engineering, um, manipulation of minds of the children through the school system. Um, They talked about things like that. But this was not like a formal setting where they would gather around a table and, Mr. President, you know, it doesn't happen that way. These are just people talking to each other. This is the Dick Cheney's and the George Bush's sitting around just chatting (laughs) and talking about things. And the way they referred to aliens or the, the way they would talk, about that aspect of things was more in terms of um, that they, the aliens are us in the future, that there's an ability to move through time, 
and um, how real that is. You know, I don't understand all those possibilities, but I'm just absolutely fascinated with the vastness of what is actually possible and happening around us in our world today that is so much more than um, a devil with horns and a tail. Um, what the Catholics want to tell us is a devil, you know, right. or, or their, you know, that aspect of things, or um, that this that this lizard with the tail and the scales is what it is, because it's not that easily defined. It is um, a darkness. It is um, what if somebody wants to term it evil. To me, it is a negative. It's the negative, it's the opposite of love, it's the opposite of hope, it's um, a negative force. And I know from my own life's experience that this um, duality of of good and bad, darkness and light, um, that it's tipped to the good because Mm -hmm. um, truth by its very nature always prevails and love is the most powerful force in the universe. Mm. And ultimately, that is the essence of our beings. That is our nature. Whatever name we want to put on it, whatever God term we want to put on that, you put it, reduce it down to a very basic energy level, and it's love. You reduce theirs to a very basic energy level, and it's it's a a hate, a, a, a negativity, a selfishness that's really right. incomprehensible to um, anything that my soul can even relate to. And I guess right. that's why I was put under mind control, because it certainly isn't anything that I would ever have chosen to do. Right. It well, is. It's just mind-blowing for me, Kathy, to hear you speak and 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 to share like this, um, and to talk about love, because everything I've read about your experience, starting with your father, um, and then through all those years, had to have just taken you out of that energy of love. I mean, actually, love is something you must have really remembered and connected with once Mark got you out of all this. Is that is that... I mean, I'm just blown away. Yeah, exactly, because when, um, after he rescued me and I began healing, I I began remembering the secrets that I'd been programmed and tortured to forget. Um, I had no um, concept of self, you know, or who who I am, or who I I was. Mm -hmm. And people would say, well, you have to forgive your abusers, you know, and it's like, forgive? My abusers, you know, I couldn't relate to that concept because that would be like condoning abuse, and I couldn't relate to that. Nor can I relate to wallowing in negativity because negativity is immobilizing. And so I I really couldn't, I couldn't relate to any of that kind of concept anyway. And other people would say, well, you have to love yourself. Well, what is that? You know, I mean, I can look in a mirror and do daily affirmations, and that wasn't going to erase the criminal covert government operations that I was forced to participate in. You know, so what? where was I going to find who I am? I found who I am at the most basic level because I didn't have any ego. It had been, like, totally shattered. I didn't have... Uh, 
image of self based on other people's perceptions because now uh, that I was gaining conscious thought, I had like a clean slate or whatever. So all I had was the very essence of my being, the energy of who I am, and I realized that energy is love. That's who I am. That's oh. what I am. I mm. am that that love. So I didn't have to, you know, try to love myself anymore or some silly thing <laughs> like that. Instead, I just simply live the love that I am. Right. And it's a whole lot um, easier that way. And living the love that I am, I'm not blinded by the negativity of my past and seeing that love in other people. And um, tra- having had the luxury now of traveling worldwide and speaking out to so many people, oh, my gosh, people all around the world all want the same things. They want peace and freedom and, and love, and they, they are that way. That's the essence of humanity. That's who we really are inside. And... Um, that's so exciting to see and experience on the the biggest of levels that I celebrate life every day. You know, mm. I, I celebrate the freedom of thought that I have now every moment. I never take that for granted. Mm. I never take um, those those aspects of of life for granted. So it's pretty easy to um, it's pretty easy to live love and to be able to see beyond the negativity of my past. Right. So what what do you know about um, what's currently going on with these projects? And, you know, for people that don't really know the numbers or, you know, where maybe, you know, the Monarch programming is happening, can you tell us a little bit about where others would be able to actually see it? Like, are there celebrities? I mean, is this, are, are there Monarch um, slave celebrities that we know of, and are these numbers, you know, really huge? And and what what has happened? Have they taken steps up in these projects, or are they starting to be dismantled? Um, what do you know about like here in present time? Well, it it definitely went technological in in so many ways, and harmonics are being used. Um, my daughter Kelly was born into the technological advancement aspect and was subjected to harmonics literally from birth. So um, that that created a different um, a different kind of mind control for her that um, that has 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 hurt her brain in in many ways just because um, when she began healing and when Mark rescued she and I um, she ended up in a horrible situation in the custody of the state of Tennessee while um, the government was trying to cover up mind control. And they deliberately damaged her brain so that she wouldn't be able to think, to remember um, all of her past. Right. Uh, but aside from that, the, the, the kind of mind control that's around today is what Mark and I have been warning about for over 20 years. The, um, For example, back... Um, Back when we were first speaking out, there was what was termed virtual reality, and video games were just coming out. And in that effort, they were um, the military was being trained to point and shoot to get past any conscious um, moral thought that they're shooting and killing someone, you know. But instead, it, it was to be able to get them to point and shoot without that moral thought 
and they were being programmed through video games or um, what was then virtual reality, which was the first, like the first video games or whatever. And then it was going to be brought into the video games and be used to program society more and more. And um, my gosh, it's, it's just off the scale now what's being done, but it is finally to a point where people are realizing what's being done and that it is a common thread weaving through the uh, massacres that we're seeing is that they've were focused on um, some extremely violent video games, uh, the same way that our military has been programmed. So now, you know, society is needing the same kind of deprogramming that our military is. Right. So, so what what would you say, like, as far as celebrities, as social engineering, are, do they have particular, you know, people that are famous that are under their control? that are influencing our children that, you know, people can look out for so that it's not, you know, so they can see it more visually how rampant it is? Well, um, yes, but I think to say, well, you know, watch out for this person or that person isn't quite the way it works. And I'll use an example on that. Back when I was um, being raised, when my father sold me into MKUltra, um, the project monarch that was going on at that particular time it was a genetic mind control um, um, operation that was in full swing and I certainly wasn't the only one exposed to it I was aware that there were um, some other children that were being brought up in music because music is harmonic and um, you know people when they hear a song, they say, oh, that was our song, you know, we fell in love to that song. Or um, They associate things with music because it actually vibrates the neuron pathways of the brain so that it, that, that it, it brings those memories very um, close or it can close them off or it can put a program in. You know, so when kids are listening to uh, music that is driven by harmonics, and vibrating this into their subconscious mind, then um, the lyrics, if they're violent, are being driven in there so that, that they're not even, the subconscious mind simply receives that kind of information without critical analysis because there's no conscious critical analysis of it. It's just being shoved into the brain. And it sits there and then it becomes uh, a driving factor or a driving force behind actions so the music was being um controlled back in the 60s when there was all the freedom in the um um in the and the peace and freedom movements that were going on in music at the, at that time um music took a dramatic change uh around the the 70s because they realized that people were that that the harmonics were being used to help people actually um that people were um, expanding their thought, especially with the, the drug culture at the time and the, um, the marijuana that was a movement that was a, the whole mind expansion movement that was happening was um, not suitable for the kind of controls that were being issued onto our society. So the music was taken control of. And in that process, the um, two that were in the project that I knew of, even growing up as a little bitty kid, I knew that they were like me, were the Jackson Five, Michael Jackson, and um, 
and later, it just a, a, in a little bit different light, was um, the Osmond family, because the Osmonds were being used to draw people into the Mormon church, which was becoming real prevalent at the time. Um, with the government controls, with mind control being uh, strong in both the Mormon and the Catholic churches, they're reaching a lot of people. I mean, talk about no separation of church and state. You know, that's a for, it brings about a form of manipulation right there. But the point remains that the um, music was the carrier for information, and it was also uh, being used to perpetuate um, phenomenal talents like Michael Jackson. And as he said, when pe- if people could listen to what he said, how he had to be his music, if we look at how he appeared and how he acted, how he moved, it's easy to see the mind control, the absolute robotic mind control that was um, inflicted on him. Um, the fact that he, I, I'm not, I don't know the what actually happened with him sexually with other children, but his own sexual abuse. Um, could certainly have spilled over, and I cannot see where he would have been consciously in control of his actions in a situation like that. And I think it it misled um, a lot of people. Um, And in the meantime, all the money that this king of pop was making was being absorbed and using to fund um, black budget covert operations and um was being used in a very in a very adverse way um right i'm i'm i was just always so sure that mind control was going to come to light publicly in the biggest way through the michael jackson ordeal mm. um but it didn't now to look at what what was his intent what came out in his songs he had some of the most beautiful moving songs for the environment and, and and for children and for peace and for love, so you know I'm I'm not gonna uh, make it's not up to me anyway to make any judgment on him what his intention was or wasn't because he never got a chance to express it he never had the luxury of healing um, like I did he never had the luxury of being free to um, speak his soul the way that he would choose. So, right. you know, it's hard to say. But nevertheless, the, he, it's not, he, he was used, and the music is being used, and it's still being used today. Yeah. You can take the harmonics from music and expand it, um, definitely expand it further um, into um, something as global as harp has become. Right. Kathy, you, ha- you and Mark have just tirelessly been out there um assisting the collective to become more aware about all this. It has had a tremendous impact. And I know this because you've worked directly with um, uh, mental health professionals and law enforcement and, and just across the board. Tell us, tell us the impact that it's had and, and, and what changes have happened or, or you know, really where this has gone with your efforts. Well, when Mark and I released Transformation of America, we released it on the advice of our attorneys at the time because the National Security Act had been slapped on the case and it was being censored from 
the U.S. Congressional Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence Oversight. That's an absolute outrage that they should be censored. Um, it's an absolute um, outrage that, I mean, our chances of survival at that point were just slim to none. And our attorney said, get the information out there, because if, if you can release that information en masse, it can help you survive to get to um, the next step and being able to raise this awareness. So um, we did. We released it. And um, as a result, now it's in um, more languages than, than we're even aware of. Um, it's in law libraries worldwide. Um, it's doing very well. But nevertheless, it is my congressional testimony that they all certainly had a point of reference for, that, and it is graphic in detail, as was necessary for um, the legal case that that was and, and that it really actually still is. But finally, we were able to re write and release um, Access Denied for Reasons of National Security. That tells how we survive to bring the truth to light. It tells our love story. It um, offers hope, solutions, and best of all, it contains all the healing details on, that Mark taught me so that other people can finally have that information and um, apply it to themselves. That's this is huge. the information that Dr. Ewan Cameron had um, suppressed from the APAs way back when and that others like Dr. Colin Ross have been so diligently bringing to light through organizations, um, alternate organizations, such as the International Society for the Study of Dissociation. And um, that information now that it's been out there for, for several years, the details that are in Access Denied, we hear from hundreds of people from around the world all the time, um, that are healing from uh, varying levels of, of PTSD, trauma, abuse, and absolute mind control. It's yeah. very, very rewarding to see the negative of my experience turn into a positive that's helping so many others. It's absolutely incredible. Do you ever feel, though, um, frustrated that enough is not being done? Because here we have Hillary Clinton still in power. You've written this book. And, um, you know, thousands and thousands of people are finding out more and more. And yet, these people are still in office. They're still getting away with it. And how do you sort of handle some of the limitations or restrictions to really getting this, uh, you know, really getting justice um, established? Well, one of the things that, that the main thing that Mark um, taught me was to write out my memory because the very act of moving a pen requires the logic part of the brain. And um, the the emotionally traumatic experiences of my life that were compartmentalized, um, as I remembered them and would write them, it would shift them over to the logic part of my brain just by natural attrition. It's the way our brains work. So I wrote out my memory. Writing out my memory made it consciously comprehensible. It made me able to deal with what happened to me and being able to deal with that um, allowed for me to be able to heal well by the same token you know when i see uh the likes of you know uh <laughs> dick cheney out there still um promoting torture like he did and um uh, guantanamo and the 
waterboarding and the horrors of all that, that was extremely difficult for me to deal with. So I used the same method that Mark taught me for deprogramming to make that emotionally incomprehensible, logical. Um, I would still write. So I would take an event like what Dick Cheney was um, attempting to um, pull the wool over the eyes of the American people again um, by telling them that, that torture um, is a necessary thing for helping people um, tell secrets. It doesn't work that way. Torture makes people forget. Torture makes people um, say whatever they're told to say. It doesn't make them reveal secrets. So, I mean, this was a massive misinformation thing. So I dealt with it by writing poems. And by writing a poem about it, it helped me to take that emotion of that and stay logical with it because by staying logical with it, it's a whole lot easier to get out there and keep speaking and make a positive difference than it is to um, be so enraged that uh, it's immobilizing. Negativity, hatred, bitterness, um, and rage are all immobilizing. They don't accomplish a positive goal. So I need to, you know, deal with those kind of emotions um, Anytime I see something in society that affects me to that extent, um, I'll just sit down and write a, a little poem or vent it out through um, through poetry, and it really has helped me to be able to continue coping um, while the process of waking up for the population continues. Right. Oh. Wow. It is, um, this is all really something. I, I, I'm interested in... Uh, who the 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 healing um, modalities or protocols that that Mark used with you that are that are part of the book? Um, wh- what other types of experiences can it assist people with other than you know the full on mind control experiences that you went through? Well. It it could help people deal with um, any trauma that they're seeing in society right now. You know, if everyone had had full access to the information on the effects of trauma on the human brain, when um, 911 happened, um, people would have been able to stop and think about what was happening and respond in a much more um, logical, realistic manner. Um, than to do exactly what they were told. They were told to go buy a flag, and everybody went out and bought a flag, you know, and and, and bought into whatever they were being told, who the perpetrators supposedly were. And so then we had this big one evil doer out there that the whole world needed to go after, and we could destroy every country in the process to go get them, you know. And in that process, we were furthering the CIA's taking over the drug um, industry, such as the opium um, um, in Afghanistan. It furthered the oil mongers. You know, we look at the same people here. We're looking at um, George Poppy Bush right here, and for one, um, and furthering the wars for um, his efforts. We would have been able to stop and look at what was really happening and approach this from a very different logical direction if people knew rather than were had their emotions fueled by the horror 
of what was unfolding before our eyes. So it certainly worked to the benefit of the criminals that are in control of our government, that took control of our government um, after the Kennedy assassination. And, um, you know, as, as you, were, you were saying, they remain in power today. If not right overtly up front, they're behind the scene, and they're still pulling the strings from uh, behind the scene. Because the same, the same criminal faction control of our government has been in control, um, really, my as long as I've been alive. It, it, it's just been it's been going on. My um, my mind control uh, victimization escalated with a local politician, Gerald Ford. As his political career climbed, my uh, victimization and um, and all climbed so that I was working on a White House Pentagon level. When Gerald Ford went into the um, office of of president, he was an unelected president. He was um, head of the Warren Commission that supposedly investigated the Kennedy assassination. And that was a very pivotal point in America's history, um, when you look at who was in Gerald Ford's cabinet at that time, he had George Bush Sr. as head of the CIA, Dick Cheney as the Secretary of State, Donald Rumsfeld as his um, Secretary of Defense, and um, he had Jack Valenny as his um, public publicist, That and Jack Valenny was head of the Motion Picture Association mm-hmm. in control of the media, which was just further control on the population. Those same handful of criminals have been in office as long as I've been alive. And um, some, like my owner in MKUltra, U.S. Senator Robert C. Byrd, has now deceased, and um, some of them are dying. Um, They're older now. And to just simply point a finger and say, they're the ones responsible. It's only them. It's just so erroneous because we're all going to miss the point of how mind control works and the fact that it is continuing in our society on a more technological scale. People just need to wake up from it, um, expand their thinking, learn to think further, um, question what they're being told, and investigate things on their own. And um, and and dare to consider other perceptions. Everybody needs to wake up and um, embrace that that kind of critical thinking now. Yes. Mm. So with all this information, putting a stop to these kind of projects, I mean, do we really, I mean, th- there's a lot of knowledge, there's the awakening, but what would you recommend a person does once they get in touch with this information if they feel a strong passion or calling or drive to maybe talk to their local governments or kind of, you know, reveal that this is known now and the citizens are ready to take a stand? I mean, how would you best guide humanity to take this information and do something with it that can, in a sense, collapse these um, hidden agendas? Or is this something we just really evolve beyond and sort of leave them in the dust? Well, I, I think that, that everybody, when they once they realize it, they can start making a difference in their own lives and in their own homes and their own um, communities. You know, for example, with the um, Sandy Hook massacre, um, so many people were, you know, I mean, I mean, it was all gun control, gun tr- control, and everything, and so many people were saying, "Hey, wait a minute, this is about video games. Let's stop our kids." 
from watching these violent um, video games and at the same time not really allow for gun control. And so when um, if measures are being taken in, in your own community, um, stand up for what you believe in right there. It's easier to monitor elections just right there in your own community as well and um, start making a positive difference on a local level because yeah. that's where um, it, it's, it's going to begin. Um, care about the child next door that, that is being abused. Learn to recognize abuse. Stop yeah. it. Um, become aware of how harmonics are affecting the brain and what they do to the human brain. As you're aware of that, choose your music more carefully and what lyrics you're pumping into your head through those harmonics. Pay attention to what you really, what do you really want to see on television? Do you want to watch television at all? You know, um, I think if, if people could actually see how the rest of the world deals with, uh, de- is dealing with things, they would find it's vastly different from what we're being told on television. Um, we need to just all expand our thinking and, and to be able to um, gather our strength of spirit and make a positive difference. In, in, in that process, we need to act by the power of, of love because it's the most powerful force in the universe. We can't go out there out of anger or bitterness or fear. You know, truth frees us from fear. And if anybody's fearful and they're reacting or taking action based on fear, uh, they need to be looking a little bit further and get some truth because the truth is going to free them from it and empower them to actually make the necessary differences where they actually count. Mm. Mm. So well put. Thank you. So, Kathy, what's what's next for for you and Mark? Um, oh, we'll, we'll continue speaking out and make a difference where we can, when we can, um, uh, making a difference in our, our local community. Uh, our, our area was um, uh, definitely affected by the earth changes that are happening now, that um, by everything that I experienced under mind control and um, heard discussed and saw being put in place, uh, through HARP, HARP has definitely added to um, the, these earth changes, the global changes we're seeing. Mm-hmm. It's accelerating them dramatically. And um, as these earth changes happened, that we had our little community was just totally devastated by tornadoes. And in that devastation, um, a lot of people were traumatized. They were PTSD. They were suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. And we're able to say, uh, to just lend a hand and being able to make a positive difference with it. Help the children deal with the trauma by drawing pictures, if they're old enough, to write it out. By taking walks in the sunshine, because when mm. you walk, you, it, it works both sides of the brain. So taking a walk in the sunshine and um, being able to look around at uh, nature and reconnecting with uh, the beauty that that surrounds us all is a huge, giant, positive step. So that's um, that's the kind of thing we do. We do it as it happens, as needed, where we see it. It's what everybody 
does once their eyes are open and they start seeing where and how they can make a difference. It's just an, a natural thing to do. Oh, I'm sure we'll, we'll continue. I mean, it's what other way is there to live? Right. I just can't tell you how much just you inspire me and, and just so many beings and just so much immense gratitude to you and your strength and your courage. And I just have so much love and respect for you, and I really can't wait to meet you at Free Your Mind Conference. Um, can you share with us where we can find you, website, uh, you know, just information online and stuff we can find out about the tour so people can see where you're going to be appearing? Well, um, we're, we're doing the, uh, the Free Your Mind Conference, and um, aside from that, we have a website it's trance-formation.com. Um, it's not a very active website in that we don't blog um, or do anything like that because as U.S. government whistleblowers, we're bound by the Whistleblowers Protection Act from being able to um, to blog. Uh-huh. But nevertheless, um, it allows for uh, people to get in touch with us through, through email and um, um, check out our book, of course, Access Denied for Reasons of National Security, and it's got a lot of references there, too. And um, I think it will help people um, follow what we're doing and what others are doing as well to make a positive difference in our world. Mm. And, Kathy, where can they buy the, the two books that you guys have out? Um, on our website, trance-formation.com. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I wish we had hours to talk to you, but... It, it's going to be amazing to um, to meet up with both of you in person in Philadelphia at Free Your Mind Conference 2. Um, we're really looking forward to it. I just applaud you and Mark for doing all that you do. I am touched by the difference that it is making and and the numbers of people that, that – uh, sharing your story, but not just sharing your story, but sharing solutions. And that's, that's, yes. that's so key. And I just, my, my heart just goes out to the, the two of you for everything that you're doing for all of us. And so thank you so much. Well, thank you. And we're certainly looking forward to the conference and meeting you too. It's going to be a wonderful, a wonderful opportunity to bring some truth to light in a very positive way. Absolutely. Mm. Well, thank you for being on Awaken the Dream Radio, and um, you and Mark have a wonderful evening, and, and here in short order in April, we'll all be together. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Wow, was that something? Yeah, I'm, I'm blown away. I, I, I cannot even uh, barely communicate. <laughs> just so, just wow. Well, we've got Everybody, about nine. We've got about 90 seconds left, so um, do you want to... Yeah, everybody, uh, co- co- go ahead. come see us in Philadelphia, April 27th to the 30th, or I think it's 26th to the 29th, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Kathy O'Brien, Mark Phillips, Dr. Dream, Laura Eisenhower, tons of other speakers are going to be there. It's going to be amazing. Absolutely, and... Um, we will be back here uh, next week with Andrew Cameron Bailey and Connie Baxter Marlowe of um, 
the film In Search of the Future, and the book The Trust Frequency. So thank you all very much for being here with us tonight, and we'll see you next week. Good night. Good night, everyone.